Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au, or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO Radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Chris, and Chris has had a lifetime of encounters, and she is one of the first people that we've had across the pond from New Zealand calling in. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cade. It's nice to be here. It's exciting to have you on. We don't have a lot of people contact us from New Zealand, and... Um, it's it's very rare to to hear a story come out of there, so I'm very excited to have you on. And the email that you sent me was about as long as my arm. The encounters that you have had are incredible. Do you mind going back to the first one and walking us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, the first one I was maybe four or five, and I was in bed asleep, and someone tapped me and woke me up, and it was a man, and he just looked like a regular person, like maybe Italian or Spanish or... I'm not sure, like quite olive-skinned and dark-haired, had a normal haircut, but he had like all his clothes were the same colour, like dark and form-fitting, and he stretched his hand out and said, come with me to your family. And I was only a little girl, and you don't, I don't know, I was quite scared of strangers, but he seemed quite familiar, so I stretched out my hand and I stood on my bed, so he was standing on the floor, and we were holding hands, and then we started slowly going up through the ceiling of my room and we went into the roof cavity and then as we were about to go through the roofing iron, I suddenly got really scared and yelled no and pulled my hand back and I remember falling back into my bed and it was a real bone-rattling fall. Like, like no way was it a dream. It really hurt. That's incredible. So you, you felt like you actually left your body then? I felt like my body went with me, like... I actually physically went with him and was flying up through my ceiling and through my roof. Wow, okay. So it wasn't just kind of like an astral projection or anything like that. You actually felt like your your actual physical body was leaving. My actual physical body was leaving. Wow, and you could feel it going through the roof and, and, and things like that. Uh, I couldn't feel the ceiling, but I remember thinking how cool it was because I was wondering why we were going up by the roof. I couldn't feel going through it. But I felt the fall back down. I felt the fall and I felt like my legs and arms were all jumbled on the mattress and it knocked the breath out of me. Wow. So it was it had a, an actual physical effect on you. Yes, physical. Physical. I'm sure it wasn't astral. I'm sure that I went, like my body went like that, like it hurt. So I ran to tell my mum and, of course, she just told me that it was a dream and don't worry about it. And I probably would have convinced myself of it was a dream if lots of other weird stuff had not happened. So when you say other weird stuff, do, is that around that same time or is this later on in life? 
later on, probably around five years later, is the next memory I have of stuff that was really weird. We, but by this stage, we moved down to Invercargill, and Invercargill is the southernmost city of New Zealand, so it's fairly close to Antarctica. Um, we were down there. My younger sister, she was probably about six at the time, she was always complaining and crying that she could hear humming in her pillow, and people were talking to her at night through her pillow, and that was really odd to us. Um, we just thought she was having nightmares, we weren't too worried about it. But then my sister and, and I were going to bed one night, we shared a room, and there was a basketball-sized silver orb at the foot of our bed, just above the ground. And then it turned into, it looked like a little girl, like I don't know, maybe eight or ten, and but she was only visible from the ankles up, or mid-calf up. And I thought, well, if I turn off the bedroom light, we won't actually be able to see her. So I tried flicking it off and on a few times, but she was still there. And after a few flicks, she disappeared altogether. Um, my parents weren't interested. Mum said there was something funny about where we were living, but she didn't believe that this girl was anything. She probably thought she was a ghost, if anything. I'm not convinced. Um, my dad just thought we were just being ridiculous. Um, the kitchen in the house, we could hear people talking, having a conversation. It sounded like they were standing on our roof and the sound would come down the chimney and there was at least two people talking, one female and one male, but you couldn't quite understand their language or hear what they were saying. And this was like an everyday occurrence. And that's in, in that, that same house, house, is it? In the same house, yeah. Oh, wow, there's a lot of activity going on there. Yeah, we were. I think we were there six years and not long before we moved and I'm not sure, it was a pre-planned move so I'm not sure if we moved faster than we were supposed to but my dad always thought that we were just being silly. He just poo-hooed us all the time um, but one night we'd gone out, oh, all the females of the family, oh, the two older girls and mum and I, we'd gone out to the movies and it was a really late finish. I think it finished about one in the morning. It was a triple bill back in the day. And as we came home, we noticed that our house was the only house in the street that had lights on, but not only did it have lights on, Dad had every light on inside and outside and in the freestanding garage, and he'd also opened all the curtains. So we had no idea what was going on. Mum raced up the drive, we raced inside, and my dad was sitting at the dining table shaking, and he was smoking. Um, back then you could smoke inside, it wasn't a bad thing. And drinking um, a little glass of port, and he had like a winter jacket on because he was cold, I think, like he was in shock. And we're like, what's wrong? He'd put all my little brothers and sisters, he'd wrap them up in blankets and put them on the sofa with all the lights blazing in the house. And he said he'd heard a noise and he'd gone up the hall to check on the kids. And he thought what he saw was a little girl racing from one room to another. And so when he followed her into the master bedroom, all that was in there was three silver floating triangles in the air. And, and when he um, saw them, um, this is with the light on, they start, They came racing over to him by the door. So he was like petrified, ran out of there, um, grabbed the kids up, threw them in the lounge, ran around the house turning all the lights on, opening the curtains, and then we got home a few hours later. Did he ever talk about that, that encounter ever again? Uh, for a few months he did and then he kind of pushed it to the back. He didn't, wasn't really that comfortable talking about it because we'd tease him. We thought it was hilarious that he finally <laughs> believed us and he had the best experience out of any of us, but he didn't really want to talk about it. It was way out of his comfort zone. Yeah, it, it would be completely out of my comfort zone as well. That sounds quite terrifying. Um, did you ever encounter those those silver orbs ever again in that house as as yourself? Uh, not me myself. Um, I don't know that Dad did either, but he did wake up to hu a humming noise one night, and when he looked outside, uh, he looked he went straight to the sky to look. I don't know why he looked up, but he said uh, it was around the time of Star Wars came on TV, and he said, "You guys won't believe this, but it's like." There's a massive ship, like it fills the sky from Star Wars, flew over in Vicargo. Really? Yeah, he. Um, I'd spoken to um, a lady in New Zealand who runs a UFO group, and she knew all about the sighting. Um, 
there were articles in the newspaper, there was it was on the radio, the police had followed it and it disappeared off Areti Beach, which is the southernmost point of Invercargill. So this is a fairly famous sighting really, isn't it? Well, people don't really talk about it. Like um, before the internet, you couldn't connect with other people that saw stuff, so you were very isolated. So we do know that um, two, two, I can't remember if it was two or three men in black went to visit a local working men's pub on the main street of Invercargill and they were questioning the locals about the sighting and the locals just made fun of them and they said but when they sat down they could see wires running up from their sock up their leg. On, on the men in black? The men in black had wires on their legs that ran up from inside their sock up their trouser leg. So whatever that means, I don't know. Wow. And how many pe- did you happen to ever find out how many people got, I guess, investigated by these men in black? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I vaguely remember that it was in the newspaper at the time, so I can't imagine any other way that I would have found out that information. But I can't find anything on the internet to back it up. And unless I went back down to Invercargill and started speaking to some older people, but I mean, how many people would have seen it? It was the middle of the night, so we know at least the police had seen it. It was reported on the radio news the next day, um, but I haven't seen anything else about it since that time. That was in the 70s. And do you remember what the the vibe was around the town about that? Like, was that was it a, a laughing matter, or was that something kind of taken quite seriously? Well, I don't think that we ever discussed it with anyone else, um, not until I've, oh, maybe a few friends I've tried to talk to it about, and the UFO lady in New Zealand, but no one, like at school, no one was talking about it, apart from it being on the radio news and perhaps in the newspaper, there was nothing. So if I get back down to Invercargill, I'm going to see if I can find the records and see if there is actually something. It was in print, but I just don't remember where I read it in print, and it was... Within a few months afterwards, that was reported on, so I'm not sure. Maybe it was a small local newspaper. I just don't remember because I was quite young at the time. Yeah, it, and back then, like you said, there was no way of getting this information out. You might be able to find maybe newspaper clippings or something like that in the in a local library there or something like that, but I think it, I think it's a bit of a tough, tough issue to try and dig that information up at this stage probably. Yeah, I think it's just a bit long ago and because New Zealanders don't really speak about that kind of stuff back then, it wasn't really on the radar UFOs. Like It was all a big joke, really, as I was growing up. No one took it seriously. Yeah, and through that age, it was kind of a bit like that too because I, I have so many people that contact me and say, oh, I saw something way, way back in the day and it was kind of just I was laughed at for even talking about it and they've really just never spoken about it which is a real shame because i can imagine there's quite a lot of really fascinating encounters and i guess events that have happened that people just don't want to talk about because they were ridiculed back in the day exactly and that's what i think happened so um i've spoken to other people fairly recently and they said in christchurch they've seen like sky-sized ufos flying over massive massive craft but I don't know when. I'm going to try and find out more about that because it's interesting that my dad had seen something so massive and the first time I'd heard of anything really massive was over Christchurch. That's the city that had the big earthquake. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. um, seismic activity obviously going on there. Yeah, there's something going on with that. Um, uh, friends that I'm with on Facebook, they said there was so much UFO, UFO activity, like orbs, before the earthquake. Was it really? just so much. Yeah, so I'll try and find out more about that. One of them might want to speak to you about it. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But, um, Chris, I want to ask you about the, the silver balls that you saw in the in your bedroom and that your dad saw. What do you think that was? Do you think that's, that's built up energy? Do you think it might be something paranormal? Do you think it's extraterrestrial? Is there, do you have an opinion on what that might be? Um, I think before I saw later UFOs, I think I would have said that they were ghosts, but now I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's all connected. I think that we're in a multi-layered reality and some people can see more layers than other people can see. I, um, I agree with you on that one there because I think 
there's well there's it's scientifically proven that there's different waves of light. So there can be different types of entities living in different layers of light. I mean, you look at the infrared spectrum and one of the one of the guests, actually one of my good friends who who's another podcaster, um, he saw a UFO only in the infrared spectrum once and he wouldn't be able to see it in his in his normal view of um of vision without these these um I guess night vision goggles on. So I think that leads a lot of credence to say that there's multiple realities on top of each other. Oh, night vision goggles, that will be my next purchase. <laughs> 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 I think that would be a cool thing to get or maybe it would be scary. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it because I think, geez, I'd love to get a pair of those. But if I if I look up and I just see endless UFOs, I'll be like, mm, that was a bad decision. <laughs> exactly. And would your mind be able to handle it? Yes, yes, exactly. Because I think it would really... I think if you open up your mind and then you take that next step of really wanting to look into those other realms, I think you do open up a lot of doors. Yes, and I think then when you become um, aware, you start to see more stuff as well. Yes, absolutely. I've had a lot of psychics on the show and they say once you once you start to lean into this, it it just starts to roll right in through to your life and you don't really have any control over it. It's It's kind of like the floodgates are open. Exactly. Mine mine was slow, but it seems to be gaining gaining momentum now. So is there any other encounters that you've had since you well, I guess since we've opened up these floodgates for you? Um oh plenty. I moved to Australia and I lived in um Manly Beach on the Corso. Um we'd gone to a party one night up in Collaroy. I think it's Collaroy Beach. I was trying to look on the map. So one of them it's got a whichever one it is, it's got a big um half moon bay with cliffs at each end, quite a deep bay. And uh, I was standing on the balcony having a drink, like looking at the waves coming in. There was an incoming thunderstorm and would have been quite massive from how far away it was. A large silver orb flew across the bay from one side to the other in probably a second. So it, it was large, like... I don't know, maybe it could have been, I don't know, two stories tall, three or four stories tall. You can't, I don't know, I'd never walked to the end of the cliff to try and measure how big it was. But the guy standing next to me just turned to me and said, I think I might have said, did you see that? And he said, we can't tell anyone about this, they won't believe us, and then refused to have a discussion about it. So the person you saw it with didn't want to talk about it? Did not want to talk about it at all. We both knew, like... I've, I've seen little things about ball lightning. I've tried to think of every logical explanation, but there's no way it had anything to do with lightning. It did look like plasma. Oh, it's hard. Oh, I don't know if you've ever tried to look at a star through a telescope and it's out of focus and it, it's got a kind of a real grainy effect. It looked like that. Right, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. so how far away do you think this was? Um, maybe maybe we were seven hundred meters into the bay. I'm not sure. I've ne- I've never looked on a map. I've never tried to figure it out. But I could tell like it was sizable. And it just it shot was, off in the blink of an eye. Yeah, probably lasted about a second. So it whizzed along. So it was just off the coast. So it would have been out of our sight because it was below the top of the cliffs. So it was just behind the cliffs. And I imagine it went right down the coast. So I don't know. Did it make any noise or anything to let you know that it was there? Nothing at all? Nothing. We were at a party with probably 50 people when we were the only two people that saw it. But we were the only two people standing on the balcony at the time. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's that's something really, really insane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was. But I still hadn't connected that I was seeing probable UFOs by then. At this stage, um, another weird event happened when I was in Manly. Anyone that knows Manly knows that um, I think we lived at Queenbian at the time. Queenbian? No. What? No, Queenscliff. Queenscliff, that's the name of the suburb. And I was feeling lazy and I wanted to catch the bus up the hill because it was real steep alleyways getting up to where we lived. And um, the Australian climate is a bit warmer than New Zealand. I mean, it wasn't hot, but I was just too lazy to walk up the hill. So I thought, thought I'd sit down and wait for a bus. So I checked on my watch, checked on the bus timetable. The bus was due in about maybe two or three minutes at the absolute most. So I sat down and thought I'll just look out to see and enjoy the view. And when the bus comes along, I'll jump on. Um, I'll hear it coming, so I'll know to stand up and wave it down. Well, I woke up an hour later. I'd felt a little bit tired, you know, just as you're going under anaesthetic. 
having an operation, you feel that slight little bit of tired and then you're black, like you're out. Well, that's exactly what it was like and it was for, I think, maybe an hour, an hour ten, I'd missed three or four buses. No one had stopped to see if I was okay. And when I woke up, I was sitting in exactly the same position as I'd gone to sleep, staring straight out to sea, sitting on a, a bus seat, not a shelter, just a, a bench seat. So were you were you moved at all? Nope, sitting exactly the same, staring straight out to sea. But no one stopped to check if I was okay, or so I can't have been lolling around. I was sitting exactly normally, but hadn't moved a muscle for an hour. That's that's really odd. Do you extremely odd? Do you do you think you were maybe taken? Uh, perhaps, but I have no. I don't know if I have proof that I've been taken. I I really don't know. I do have. Um, not long after that, I was actually pregnant. I later lost the baby, like lost the baby naturally, but uh, I was going to work. Checked my watch, was on perfect time. I was starting afternoon shift. Um, I was at Brookvale Mall. Brookvale? I think that's the name of it. And I had to walk through an alleyway to get to my job. Um, I lost an hour walking through the alleyway. So this is a reoccurring thing with yeah, you, Chris. I get to work and my my boss is bawling me out for being an hour late for work. And I'm like, I'm not an hour late. I was just at the mall. I checked my watch. I knew I was on perfect time to get to work. But I was an hour late, exactly an hour late. So that was just bizarre. So again, I didn't re- still didn't really think too much of it. I thought somehow I just messed it up. Have you had any other occurrences of missing time? Uh, not so much missing time. I thought I was sleepwalking. I had a real vivid dream in the 80s. I was back living in New Zealand in my early 20s. And I dreamt that I was sleepwalking, like out walking around my suburb. And I didn't wear much to bed back then. Like I'd maybe had like a real short like um, t-shirt nighty on, like really short. And I was so shocked in the morning when I woke up from my dream that I actually checked the bottom of my feet just to reassure myself that I hadn't been outside. And my feet were black. They were so black. They looked like they'd been painted with black feet, black paint on my feet. So it looked like I'd been walking around for hours somewhere. And I couldn't understand it, so I spoke to my mum about it, and she's like, oh, you must be sleepwalking, you know, don't worry about it, I'll lock you in the bedroom, I was sleeping in the sleep out. Well, the next night, I woke up again with black feet. After you were locked into the room? Locked into the room, so I was real stressing out, because the windows in the room are real, real narrow. I could have possibly squeezed through them, but I would have had bruises on my hips and my ribs everywhere. To actually get through those tiny windows, I would have been really bruised up. Yeah, so they're, they're real so, little windows. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't understand it. Um, by about the third night, the third morning when I woke up with totally black feet, but by now I wasn't having any dreams about doing anything while I was out. I started wearing um, like pants and a top to bed. So this went on for about six weeks, and the only way I could go to sleep now was wearing full street clothes and shoes and socks. Oh wow! So I knew that if I was wherever I was, I was at least completely closed. That's that could have been extremely dangerous because who who knows what you're doing in that time? Yeah, I, I have no idea, no idea whatsoever. Around that time, um, I did a lot of shift work. I was a sober driver. I'd drive my friends wherever they wanted to go because I only had one, ever had one or two drinks. But I felt like a big white light was watching me by the railway lines when I was driving home one night. And another night I dropped someone on a country road and a big, loud white light came up behind me on the country road and it kind of must have gone straight up when it got to the roof of my car. Like my full, my car was full of blinding white light. I was absolutely terrified. I didn't lose any time, but I thought I was going to crash and an army guy had told me that he was on the same stretch of road on, at night on his motorbike and he'd been chased by a big white light. And, what, um, and where, where did girl, this happen? Uh, uh, Palmerston North, New Zealand. There's an army camp about maybe 15, 20 minutes drive out of town. And it's a real winding, quite narrow country road. It's not very pleasant. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. But I do wonder, there was a girl that um, had had a really bad car accident. She was actually killed on that stretch of road and I always wonder... Um, yeah, she may have missed the corner, but what had she seen on the road? Did you ever feel in danger from that light? Uh, I was on a straight. Luckily, I was on a straight piece of road. If I'd been on a windy boat, I think I would have crashed the car. It was like it was terrifying because it was so loud and so bright, and then it was nowhere. What kind of noise was it making? Kind of like a real loud train, like a super fast, loud freight train. Like, really loud. Oh, wow. That would have been terrifying. Yeah, it was. And no one believed me. So, because yeah, moving on along. <laughs> we, we get a lot of stories of people who have encounters with Mimin lights, which sounds very, very similar to the that encounter, but they're always silent. They never make any noise or anything like that. All the UFO encounters I've had that even fit that, that bill, they, they don't make any noise. So, that is a really unique experience that you've had there Chris oh you think I, I, I don't know I like I've only ever talked to the one army guy that was terrified and I knew it was real because he was so terrified even talking about it like his eyes darting around and nervous I'm nervous even talking about it after all these years that brings back the feelings at the time and it, it just happened that one time it just zoomed up on you it made this a really loud ruckus it filled up your vehicle with light and that was it it was gone. Gone. Yeah. Oh, years later, when I had my boys in the car, it's happened to me once in a suburban area. Really? The exact yeah. same thing? Yes. And when I heard the noise, I knew what it was, that it was the same as what I'd experienced before. And I asked the boys, I was yelling, where is it? Where is it? What is it? So I'm driving, they're looking. They couldn't figure it out and it was gone. So they could hear it as well. They could hear it. They could see it. They were quite young. They were maybe like seven, nine, and eleven around those ages. So I could see, like in my rear vision mirror, I can kind of see as it's getting closer and louder. I can see that they're uh, looking around the car, looking out the side windows, and then as it gets closer, it gets blinding in the car as well, and then gone. We assumed it went up. That's that's simply terrifying. I don't know what to do, and I wouldn't know what to do in a situation like that. <laughs> well, I stopped for the red traffic light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I managed to stop for the light. It was, yeah, it, but then it was like, well, this has happened before, and then moved on along. Um, getting back to when I lived in Palmerston North, of the, this is probably one of the freakier things that's ever happened to me. Um, but I still wasn't thinking I was experiencing UFOs or that kind of thing, like because all these things were so spread apart. It's only kind of towards the end, the last couple of years, that I've actually realised what's happening. Um, the town where we're living in, Palmerston North, is actually really cold in winter, like freezing, and freezing cold for months on end, um, and windy, windy and cold. So a lot of their houses back then weren't insulated. So when you go to bed, you'd wear like thermals and then pajamas. Some nights I'd wear a woolly hat, always thermal socks. Um, I always slept on my sides, and my partner, he slept on his stomach, always slept on his stomach. Um, one night we woke up, and it's like we were lying in a coffin each, like we were lying with our hands by our sides and our ankles together, and our toys, toes were pointed as if we were lying in a coffin. But we were soaking wet, like, um, like we'd just come out of our swimming pool, like that second, we were soaking wet, not like sweat, like beaded, like drenched wet and we our eyes pinged open and we both sat up at the same second and we're yelling oh my god what happened to us why are we naked where are our clothes what's going on um clutching at each other and but we were shuddering um you know when you get cold and you get chattering teeth was way worse than that it was whole body shakes uh, like completely uncontrollable i've never been that cold in my life and when we looked for our clothes, our sleepwear was on the floor and two tidy, neat piles, not folded, scrunched up, but side by side. But the weirdest thing, it was like something had grabbed either side of our bed clothes and pulled them all the way flat on the floor, like grabbed them from the top of the bed and then walked out as far as they stretched and they were perfectly neatly laid out on the floor. 
So there's no way we'd kicked our clothes off because we were hot and then kicked the blankets off. It would have been in a jumbled heap. So um, we both jumped out of bed, tried to put our, all our clothes back on, jumped into bed, were hugging each other, trying to get warm. And I don't know that we ever spoke about it again. We just went back to sleep and it was all over. That's terrifying because that's a shared experience right there. And both of you don't know what happened. Neither of us know what happened. And it was how we both pinged open, eyes open at once, and then started screaming and yelling because we had no idea. It was just so weird. We had no idea what had happened to us. Do you have any theories of what you think may have happened there? Uh, Well, a little bit later now that I've been reading about UFO stuff and other people's experiences. But because I don't know that I really want to know. That's fair enough. That's fair enough because... It's it's almost scarier knowing what happened than leaving it as an unknown. Yeah, I think I'm probably better off. I used to think I wanted to know, but I'm probably just better off just leaving it there. Have you ever woken up with, um, like, say, puncture wounds or, or anything like that on your body before, Chris? Uh, more so in recent times. Um, I've had big bruises like the size of a softball, which I've got no reason for on my torso. They just like show up randomly. Yeah, just show up randomly. And on the insides of my arms, massive bruises where there's no reason for them. Like there's no pain associated with them. Like they're painless, but I've got massive bruises. Um, my new partner had noticed and he actually moved in with me because he felt um, I used to joke with him that I see aliens. I don't know that I see aliens, but <laughs> when he saw the bruises, he was really worried about me. So he'd come to stay. And did your partner start to get bruises on him or, or anything like that? Um, a few months ago, we thought we saw a puncture, like a triangular puncture mark on his back. And I took a photo and showed him, but he doesn't believe me. So, I don't know. We just kind of left it there. Do you think you're being abducted there, Chris? Uh, I think it's a really good possibility. Um, I'll tell you about the next sighting I had. That was when I lived in Whangaparoa. um, That's on the northern beaches of Auckland City in the North Island in New Zealand. Um, One night I was looking out, it was around midnight, I was chatting to friends on Facebook or whatever you do, and was looking out across the water and there was a big orange orb out there, which I estimate was the size of a single car garage. And I didn't know what orange orbs were then. I had no idea that they were a worldwide phenomenon. Um... I thought I was trying to tell myself it's, I don't know, squid light or something, I don't know. And then a little, a smaller blue orb flew in exceptionally fast from across the sea and the orange orb stopped flying around and they started interacting. It's like they were playing tag. Really? Then, yeah, the little blue orb was way faster than the orange one and then it felt like the orange orb got annoyed and just stayed still. And after a while of not having any interaction, the blue orb must have got bored and took off over the sea again. So um, I went out on the balcony and I had my phone. It was quite an old phone and I tried to video it and I checked to see that I'd captured some of it. But they were just like tiny points of light. The orange orb showed up as a tiny orange point of light. So I thought, well, that's no use to anyone. So eventually I deleted it or got rid of the phone. I can't remember. But I had, still had no idea what it was. I knew it wasn't right. And I, um, when I was actually filming it, it kind of stopped and came a little bit closer to my house. And by then I was terrified. So I went back inside and thought, well, I'm getting into something. I don't know what it is. So I double-checked all the doors, shut all the curtains, um, turned most of the lights off, kept peeking out the curtains. I watched it for about half an hour. It was just going up and down the bay backwards and forwards like it was looking for something. Wow, and for the fact that it was there for that long, that's incredible. Yeah, and I'm not the only person that saw it. I was actually really lucky. There were two other reported sightings that night. One was, I think it was a household of three people in Long Bay, which was um, down the end of the peninsula, basically. So I don't know how many k's away, maybe 5, 10 k's away. And the other guy was actually in the next bay from me, and he posted something on Facebook, which made me think that he'd seen a UFO. So I asked him in a private message, and he said that the orange orb came up to his kitchen window. It was outside on his lawn, and it actually flattened the grass. I saw the photo. He sent me a photo of what had happened to it. Um, And the next day, or the next night, 
when he was outside, um, he said, this will sound crazy, you're not going to believe me, but the easiest way to explain it is that there was a bubble car like from the Jetsons and it was full of an assortment of cliched aliens looking at him. That's what he saw when it was at his window. <laughs> That's what he saw. So um, like, he understandably freaked out. He almost lost his mind, but when he was trying to explain to his family and friends what had happened to him, they actually had him committed into a psych ward. He got out within, I think, a few days, but he was so upset that his family had had him committed and not tried to understand what he'd actually seen. Um, the same night he saw what I call the Jetsons car, uh, I woke up, there was something on my deck, and I was absolutely terrified because the footfalls, the feet were massive, but the footfalls were almost a second apart, and they were flat, feasted footfalls. Do you know what I mean? Like super, super loud and really exaggerated um, times between the steps. So I was like paralysed with fear. Um, very few times in my life I've been that scared. I was too scared to have a look to see what it was right outside my bedroom window. But in the morning when I got up, I told my um, flatmate and she came with me outside and we'd made a makeshift gate on the deck to stop the baby running off the deck and it had been completely pulled apart plus the deck chairs had been flipped over on the deck. I didn't hear any of that. I just heard the footfalls. That's, that's terrifying. What do you think was going on out there? Well, I really hope it was a slow motion drunk, but it was, um, yeah, it was just weird. I'm hoping that's what it was, but we don't know. Um, after that time, not long after that, we moved down to the southern end of Auckland City. Uh, I was coming home from the motorway one night. I dropped my boys into chapel in the city. They have chapel for their school. It was probably about 7.30 at night. And as I'm coming down the motorway, I noticed that there was, I thought it was a large passenger plane, and it looked so close to the motorway like fairly parallel to the airport. It looked like it was going to crash onto the motorway. So I was thinking, oh, no, that's not good. You know, this is going to be terrible, loss of life or whatever. Um, but I'll try and get as close as I can to home and I'll get off an exit closer to home. And then, you know, like you can't help in those situations, but we're still flying and I'm getting closer and closer. And I'm not understanding what I'm looking at. I'm finding it real confusing. It was sort of a light, drizzly night. Real light rain, you couldn't see any clouds, um, quite low visibility. Uh, I rounded, a, there's a bend in the motorway and I came around it and um, I realised it wasn't a passenger plane. It was a massive craft um, the size of an Airbus, is it a 380, those two-storey planes? Yeah, they're massive. Um, yeah, about that size. Um, and the reason I can tell you how big it was is because um, the lights on the motorway, it was probably only double the height of the lights off the motorway. So that's how close it was to wow, me. Wow, that's really close. And I'm still not understanding what it is, but I pulled over to the side of the motorway in the breakdown lane and parked myself up there. And I thought, well, it can't be a UFO. My car's still running. I thought they're supposed to turn off. My radio didn't have interference. I could see it in my side, in my side mirror when I drove away and in my rear vision mirror when I eventually drove away. So I thought, oh, surely it has to be some sort of plane. So I wound down my window on my van and stuck the top half of my body out. It was dead silent. Um, the lights didn't illuminate the craft. And people have said, well, what shape is it? And it was halfway. The seven lights were massive, like probably trampoline-sized. And they were the shape of halfway between a V and a boomerang. And so where the lights are placed, from a nose of a plane to how far back the wings are placed, um, there's no way it could have been a plane, even if it was a plane with some new fancy lights. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. So I watched it for a few minutes, and then I thought, well, this is really weird. There's no other traffic on the motorway. There's just me. There's no one across the other side, and there's no one on my side, and the traffic should be catching up any second. Um, if there's, you know, there's big um, clumps of traffic, they tend to drive in big clumps and then you might have a gap and then another big clump of traffic. So a lady in a sedan came around the bend in the motorway and she actually stopped dead. So she was under the outermost light. Um, now this craft was doing tiny little figure eights over the motorway and just off to the suburb to the side. And it could bank and almost be on its side and it could almost do a figure eight on the outermost light, like almost turn on its wing, wing tip 
Um, so she'd stopped, but she'd stopped like smack bang in the middle of the motorway and she's mouthing W2F to me and I'm going, I know, right? What is it kind of thing? We're like kind of um, making hand gestures and looking at each other. She's looking terrified. I was just more curious actually. And then I thought, well, she's going to be hit by a truck or something coming around the corner. So I motioned for her to follow me because I wanted to go off on a side road and cross the motorway and actually try and get closer under it to get a better look. But she was scared and she drove off and must have gone home. But she zoomed off super fast. I drove off slowly and could see it in my rear vision mirror and my side mirror. And then went home and started looking up, trying to figure out what I'd seen. Um, talked to a guy who'd made a Phoenix Lights documentary. Um, he's seen a few of them over his lifetime. That's what comes to mind when I when I hear this encounter. It sounds very reminiscent of the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of it until then. And then you realise that the, the world is actually trying to hide the information. There's actually a movie on Phoenix Lights. The first thing I googled when I tried to find out what it was, was like an um, an alien movie about people out in the desert flying drones or something, something like that. And they went to a property and um, predators, no, not predators, aliens had crashed in the desert and were trying to get them. So it's like it's like they titled a movie Phoenix Lights so you don't look any further than it's the name of a movie. Like they're trying to suppress the information and stop you looking further. So, Chris, why do you think you're you're such a... You're almost like a, a person of interest to these things. Why do you think that is? Well, I still didn't think I was until the next encounter, which was two summers ago. Um, I was at home during the day and I saw, um, uh, like, it was see-through. It looked like a shadow in the sky and it looked like a club that had been had a blunt end on it and it was massive. It was so, so massive. It was above the puffy clouds. And it was massive, but its tail was directly over my house. So that's what did my head in. That's when I started to think that this it was actually personal, not I was randomly seeing them, to have like such a massive craft that was transparent above my house. And I called my son and his friend out, and I said, oh, what do you think that is? And they said, whoa, we don't know. It must be a cloud. And I'm like, clouds, you can't see through clouds, and they're not grey. And I said, it's a spaceship. And they were laughing and thought it was hilarious. So I called up, hey, dude, your um, cloaking device has failed. We can actually see you. You might want to smudge around your edges or something. So over the next hour, thicker clouds came in and anyway and covered it. So I don't know whether it went away or whether it was just covered by clouds. But that was pretty freaky. I started to, that's when I actually started to look into UFOs seriously. Felt like I was spending every waking minute researching stuff trying to find out what was happening. And are you still doing and, that today? Uh, not as much. I'm not really sure I want to know. There's so many conflicting experiences, people having good experiences and bad experiences. And how do you know that they're telling you the truth if you think you're having a good experience? How do you know that they're telling you what their intentions are are real? Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of mixed messaging out there in the world as well because... As, as much as you want to believe everyone's story that, you know, will be telling you this really, really happened to me. A lot of people do fab- fabricate um, these yeah. types of events, which really takes away from the credibility of situations like yours. Yeah, it's, it's been difficult. My children, like, they treat it like a joke. And if I try and discuss anything that we might have seen together or whatever, they're not interested at all. And that, that would be really hard as, as someone who's experienced these things that are so amazing and you've not only experienced them by yourself, but you've experienced them with people and it seems like every person that you've experienced them with is kind of shutting down the idea of what's really happening. Exactly. They don't they don't want to know, um, but might be a good thing because when I did really want to know and couldn't even sleep because I wanted to really know, I was worried that I might have had an implant. My, um, oh, the last sighting, which was only in the last few months, I saw, I actually thought it was a meteorite coming to crash in my suburb. That's how bright it was. I was hanging washing out during the day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
and I was like, oh my god, you know, the first the first couple of seconds, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and it was getting brighter and closer and faster, and I was freaking out, thinking this is what's actually happening, and then it turned into a white orb, um, just sort of like a normal white orb, like a little mini moon zipping around in the sky, and I'm still trying to figure out, hey, it must just be an aircraft, and I've got it all wrong, and watched it for a while, and then it turned into two white orbs, and um, one white orb, and then off it went. But my right from seeing the bright light, my eyelids felt like they were sunburnt. And uh, that night I had a dream that, oh, I tried to video it. I did real well. I got a split second of nothing because I pushed the button fast twice instead of just once because I was shaking. <laughs> but I was like gleefully yelling out up to the sky, ha ha, I got you now, you effers. I actually got you on camera. People are going to believe me and got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing, nothing to prove what I saw. So um, that night I had a dream that my partner and son and I were standing on the deck and a massive white orb was over us and it, the light reached out from it and uh, absorbed us and kind of woke up in the morning. When I woke up, as I tried to roll over, I felt like I was really dehydrated, like my mouth was stuck together, my face hurt, my eyelids were burning. Um, I had to scull water for three days. Uh, I was so dehydrated, I've never experienced anything like it. I've been sick and dehydrated, I've been drunk and dehydrated, but not dehydrated, like they didn't feel like there was a drop of water in my body. And when um, I tried to go toilet, it came out so dark brown, it was almost black. And I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it because it made no sense. Like, I drank, I always drink heaps of water, I always have heaps of cups of tea, like, I can't get dehydrated, there's no way I can get dehydrated and it felt like I'd been hit by a truck. Um, I had no marks on me that I could see but I was exhausted, like so, like I've never been before, like trying to walk around with the flu for three weeks and I wanted to go to the doctor but what do I say? Oh, and I left out the, the big bit, when I rolled over in bed I got a massive spurting blood nose from one nostril. Um, which took half an hour to control. Wow. So that's still been going on for a few months. So I have, it's settling down, but it's still, um, yeah, I don't have high blood pressure. Like, there's no reason for it. So I, I don't know what that means. Have you ever considered getting regression therapy, Chris? Uh, yes, I have. But again, same reason. Um, like, uh, through my 20s and 30s, um, I never used birth control, but I didn't get pregnant. So I don't know, good luck, or I was pregnant and didn't know, or I, I don't know. I don't know. And when you hear stories of there's an Australian lady that says she's got like, has she got three alien children or something? Do you really want to know? Yeah, yeah. It's Like being a mother to my three boys, do you really want to know if something like that has happened to you? I don't think I do. It would be something that would absolutely shatter your world if you found out yes. something like that. Yes, and I think I have enough to deal with now I realise that it's actually, these are personal sightings to me and my family, like they're actually personal, they're not random, and it's taken me, um, I'm in my 50s now, so it's taken me from when I was four or five till the last few years to realise that they're actually personal, they're not random things happening, they all stitch together to make some sort of a story. And I feel like that story is going to continue for a while for you, Chris. Yeah, I feel like it as well. But the the main reason, and thank you so much for having me on your show, is that I'm really hoping that somebody else has seen um, the club-shaped craft that you can see through, the massive one, or the one like a boomerang, and if they have any more insights and can tell me about it. Because they honestly, they did my head in for quite some time trying to grasp the concept and wondering what they were, someone else may know. Someone in Australia may have seen them. Maybe. And maybe some of our listeners from New Zealand have uh, have possibly seen or experienced some of the, the same kind of crafts that you've seen there, Chris. It's, um, it's, it's quite amazing the reach that sometimes our show can get with these types of, um, these types of encounters and things like that. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Um, the only thing I think, oh, there's a few things I've left out. I'll tell you quickly. I've had white strobing lights outside my house during the day um, and then after it finished, a police helicopter flew over. I've seen a solid 
pink pillar of light during the day which no one else seemed to notice between the houses, probably one or two houses away from me. Um, when um, after my last encounter I was standing in my dining room and I yelled up, I'd come inside from hanging the washing, seen the craft and yelled up, um, where did I go? Can you show me where I went? And I had a feeling um, it was physical. It wasn't. It wasn't a thought. It was physical. I was like sucked into a tunnel, and it looked like it was made of plasma, and it had ribbons of bright pink and bright green in it, and I couldn't figure out whether they were stars in the plasma or whether it was like glittery. And it was really fast. It felt like I was sucked in by the head first, and. After a few seconds, I thought, well, this is real pretty, but I don't want to see the destination. So I kind of yelled out, no, no, I said I wanted to see. I didn't want to go there. And then I'm standing back in my dining room. That's incredible. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. It definitely seems like you have I don't know either. I've I've never heard of anyone else with that. And it was kind of like a rolling torus, but it was rolling the wrong way instead of from end to end. It was like inside out. Yeah, it's it definitely sounds like you you have a definite connection to something out there, Chris. It is it's simply amazing, and I want to thank you for coming on the show to share every one of these experiences that you've had because they are simply outstanding. Oh well, thank you, and I hope that I do get a few more answers. Um, maybe someone else will have be able to fill in some more of what's happening. And you know, I was really nervous to come on as well. It was actually a really difficult thing to do. But I'm glad I've done it. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook. And that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe. And you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.